this is this is gonna be fun so it's our first time doing this feel free to to join the queue so we do want to have some q a down the road we're gonna just kind of give a very basic introduction to using DeFi to make money on stablecoin yield and what exactly does that mean um we're gonna look at bsc we've got a really basic kind of intro on some powerpoint slides so i in, in preparation for this just took some time to make these slides and realized i really want to explain the very very basic fundamentals i i think that the audience here already understands what it means to be a liquidity provider what a yield aggregator is but i keep getting these questions from people i know people i work with friends and i think that if we could package this in a way to explain it to folks um this is gonna this is gonna help a lot of people so I think for, for now, let's let's get started. I don't want to take too much time introducing each other. We, we can do that at the end, but definitely want to have some Q&A time here. So yeah, you're all good. to start, what's a liquidity provider, right? So if you think about the NASDAQ, you think about the stock market, traditional markets. If you or I want to go in and trade stocks, stocks, buy and sell, there's somebody on the other end providing the ability to do that. That's the liquidity. So these groups hold large amounts of stock and cash in order to enable individuals that ability to come in and buy and sell. So in crypto, you've got Binance, you've got Coinbase, FTX, traditional centralized exchanges like this, they have to hold large amounts of these assets so that you and I can go in and buy and sell it. What's different here is in the DeFi world, you have the entire exchange running on smart contracts. And the question of liquidity is, is the challenge, right? So for you and I, we can go in now with DeFi, anybody can become a market maker, a liquidity provider. That's a very important role. Well, you have to incentivize users to provide liquidity. You have to pay them something. So traditionally in like the NASDAQ, there's a very small fee that gets added to each trade. And that's their income. That's their incentivization to, to stand by awaiting people's orders. So in DeFi, the, depending on the market you're using, there's going to be a small fee baked into the, the trade that goes to different parties, depending on how the smart contract is structured. But in our examples, we're going to just make it kind of simple here. We're going to be really focused on stable coin pools because I don't want to get into the topic of impermanent loss and how the, the structure of those contracts work. There's a lot of resources out there. We can do another top episode on that. But for now, I think if we just focus on stable coins, it's a good topic because you can actually earn some good yield on, on very stable assets. So on slide two here, let's say our friend Paul wants to provide liquidity on pancake swap. So I'm going to use Binance Smart Chain, but you can also talk about Uniswap if you want to. If you wanted to do a, a stablecoin pool there, so let's say Paul has some USDC, he's got some USDT, so some Tether and some Circle. These assets don't change; they're pegged to a dollar. Tether has its own issues. Let's just assume for this right now that it's a, a stable one-to-one -one peg. One dollar is one Tether. One dollar is one Circle. So he wants to deposit five hundred dollars of his USDC, five hundred dollars of his USDT for a total of $1,000 in value. 
that $1,000 principle is not going to change. In our example, it's, it's just a stable pool. Well, why does that stablecoin pool matter if the value doesn't change? Let's say Steve has USD Tether, but he wants to spend it at a business that only accepts USD Circle. He is going to have to trade his Tether for Circle so that he can then go and spend it at that merchant. Steve is going to pay a very small fee for making this trade. And that fee is going to go to Paul, right? Paul is the one providing his liquidity. He needs to get some kind of incentivization, some kind of payment for doing that. And it's going to come from a fee that, that Steve is now going to pay when he goes from Tether into Circle. So that's how this works. That's very fundamentally the, the very basics of how a DeFi pool works. Mike, does that make sense? Did I miss anything there? No, no. I think you pretty much got everything. I uh, I was trying to think of like a like a comparison, you know, for going USDT into USDC, like different currencies going country to country before you travel. But that's kind of different in regards to markets. No, that's right on because if you think about it, that's a very concrete example that we can we can use a little bit better than like if you if you wanted to exchange your BNB for ETH, right? I mean, there's this whole other topic that we're not even touching right. on the the crypto to crypto, let's let's call it trading. That's that's obviously a, a huge thing. But if you think about it from that angle of the forex traditional currencies, I think it's easier for people to wrap their heads around why they might want to do that exchange in the first place versus like BNB to Ethereum or something. But because I almost used that example when I when I came up with this, but I think right, I, I think people get it. Like if, if you if you had a tether and, and you wanted to spend it at I don't know Star Starbucks or whoever might be accepting crypto, and they don't take tether because they're concerned about the issues, they might only accept USDC, right? So I think that that's why I, I focused on that example. But you're spot on. Um, do you think I explained it well enough? I mean, the the concept of liquidity and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely clear. I was just for some reason my brain was like, oh, so you know, that's kind of like you know somebody providing liquidity in you know Spain or something in the U.S. and in Spain and traveling. Like if that guy, like if that was an actual position, you know what I mean? Outside of the currency exchange. Yeah, right on. I mean, that's you know, this is so. You know, I hate it when people say that, but so early, I mean, there's there's a lot that these use cases haven't unlocked yet or, or a lot of use cases that have not been unlocked yet. So, um, you know, yeah. so so what do we call this feature? Right. It's it's an AMM automated market maker, the act of like pancake swap or Uniswap allowing users to to do this. So. To come back to the topic, you know, this is a deep dive on yield aggregators. So. What's a very important piece that I did not mention when Paul first deposits his 500 tether and his 500 circle, he actually receives a separate token that represents his ownership of that liquidity pool. And this is where it gets kind of complicated and it's a little hard to explain without visuals. But now he's got a new token that represents that, that deposits into the liquidity. He can then take this new token, the separate token, and stake it to earn even more. And this is where it gets it gets a little dicey to explain this without any visuals. <laughs> but um, 
let's let's use pancake swap for an example you let's say you deposit you know paul deposits his 500 circle 500 tether he gets a new token that represents it and that token is just called like lp1 or something pancake swap actually has farms set up so that you can go and deposit that ownership that lp1 token and earn their native token called cake so not only do you earn the liquidity fees from people actually trading within that pool, PancakeSwap is now incentivizing you to hold that liquidity even longer with this extra yield, this cake token. And that's really what this is about, this topic of yield aggregation. But PancakeSwap is not a yield aggregator. They're not, they're not aggregating their own yield like that. What a And by the way, the slides... If you click on the link in the the description, I'll edit these later. These are really quickly drawn up, but I did include some graphics to explain how this works. So I'm actually on slide three right now. And then I have some pictures of the USDT, USDC pool. And you can see on slide four that there's about a 2%. The past seven days, this this stablecoin pool has earned 2% if you were participating in it. So $2 for every $100, right? But then on slide nine, you can see that if you actually deposit and you stake the, the ownership of the pool, the whole APR right now, is, including that 2%, is about 10%. So about 8% of this yield is being paid out by PancakeSwap with a cake token. Now, what's really fuzzy about those quoted numbers is obviously the value of the cake token can fluctuate and you can't bet your life on these these yield percentages that are quoted to last forever. But I mean, a 10% yield on your stable coins is, is quite good when you compare it to any other option that exists in traditional finance. Mike, does that make sense? Do you think I, I explained that or did I miss anything there? No, it sounded good to me. It uh, reminded me of when I mistaked my Adam at first and you were like, Oh, why don't you just go buy a bond? You'll make more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't you want to earn, you know, half a percentage point on your, your money <laughs> exactly. when you could be doing this. Right. Um, so no, yeah, that was, that was clear. I like the visual online. Awesome. Awesome. So on slide six, this is what we are, are here to talk about, right? Yield aggregation. What is a yield aggregator? So we talked about you, you deposit your liquidity, you earn a little bit of revenue for doing that, the, the trading fees income, but an aggregator vault goes one step further. So remember I mentioned how on PancakeSwap, you can deposit that LP1 token, that representation of the pool ownership. You can, you can actually, what, as, what has come up are these aggregator vaults that exist outside of the exchanges. Okay, so... The example I've got in the, the notes here is, is Blizzard. They're, they're one. I'm not here to shill Blizzard. There's a bunch of them out there, but it's one that I am partial to, and so I included it here. But what you do with this aggregator is you actually can earn some other token. So there's these aggregators. SushiSwap was another one that existed. Um they're still around, obviously, but this is this is one way that they came about was kind of vampire attacking other other exchanges, other AMMs, and so this aggregator token 
represents now another level of speculation that you can you can pursue. And the user earns this by essentially sharing the first amount of revenue with the aggregator. Okay, so this is where, you know, this is really hard to explain in uh, audio only without visuals, but it's essentially the same thing as the pancake swap example where they're paying you to stake your liquidity, right? And so you can speculate. This is where the speculation piece really, really ramps up, I think, because there are all these aggregators out there that are saying, hey, we're going to pay you some, some new token representing our aggregator but we're going to actually share with you you're going to share that revenue from the initial liquidity fee income to us so you essentially give up you as the user we had paul remember let's say he goes to some of one, one of these other aggregators he's actually giving up his revenue from that pool to the aggregating body now and the aggregating body is going to use that fee income and devise strategies to try to make, make money off that income. And so you have to be very careful when choosing a yield aggregator because it's, some are, are very sketchy, some are, some are not real. They're, they're really just there to, to take the, the income and give you some hyperinflationary token that's not going to do anything. So, you know, it's very, very risky. Um, Mike, is this making sense or am I, am I just rambling? No, no, I, uh, that was a good explanation because I was kind of 50-50 on, you know, what I was really doing. You know, I know I'm in some of these exchanges and different. I was just looking at Blizzard earlier this morning, but between like Osmosis and Secret, I like know what I'm doing, but don't actually know what I'm doing. So that was a good uh, explanation for me. Yeah, and the thing with these aggregator vaults, um, you know, like I said, I use Blizzard in this example, um, but I'm not here to to shill Blizzard or anything. I can just say that I've 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 been using them for for some yield. There's a new one coming up that's not out yet. It will be on Terra called Apollo DAO. Um, but but really what you're doing here is this is this is another level of risk when you start to play with these aggregator vaults because you don't know exactly you you can audit the smart contracts but it's it's a little sketchy uh if you don't know what the team is doing like you have to really do your due diligence to make a determination whether or not like you trust this team to to take the yield that is technically yours and trusting that they're going <laughs> to make better use of it than you you know and, and there are definitely teams out there who are probably right. just collecting the yields from their, their vaults, the TVL, and probably just spending it or, or chilling on it. So um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of risk, right? So you do, it's not just free income. I mean, you can't just assume those yields are going to last forever. Um, because if, if that native token that they reward you with goes down, because they just totally blow up and mess it up uh, or, or they're a scam. You know, you, you, you are out of your TVL now and you've, you've surrendered all rights to it by, by allowing the smart contract to, to take your yield from you. So it's a ton of risk. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of risk. You have to really do your due, due diligence if you're using these other aggregator vaults that haven't been proven out by the market. Um, 
so in the in the you know that's that's what i really wanted to talk about though yeah. was this aggregation level because i've in binance smart chain there have been some that have done really really well and if you participated i mean beefy finance is one there are others out there that the token price for their native representation went from I don't have the chart up in front of me, but you know, we're talking about hundred, hundred X, 200 X, 300 X plus. If you just happen to be participating early on now at those times, you know, hindsight's 2020, but if, if a new aggregator comes out, it's, it's very, very risky. If, if you don't know the team and you don't know what's going on, there's, there's a ton of risk, but if you can speculate properly, I mean, there's, there's some good, some good cash to be made. Um, so, so the goal is to find one of these earlier on. And so if there's lower liquidity, does that mean that you typically get a higher percentage on the yield? Ah, yeah, for sure. So that's a really good point that I forgot about the, the APRs that you see quoted. Those are usually very, very high because the liquidity within start, is very right? low. Yeah. So they, they boost these APRs that are being quoted insanely. And if you see something paying a thousand percent APR, I mean, it's, it's probably very, very early and it could right. very well likely be a scam. I mean, when it's too good to be true, it usually is right. So you have to be very, very careful because yeah, that might be paying a thousand percent APR, but it's, it, it could be paying you in some token that is going to be worthless. So so that's yeah. So that's the that's the that's the goal is to find one of these early on with a good project where the yield they're paying out on is a token that you see appreciating in the future, so you can just stack those. Yeah, totally. And that's why I've I've been pretty partial to to Blizzard Snowbank. Um, they just so as I mentioned in the Substack uh, yesterday or the day before, they just updated mm-hmm. their Snowbank, and so I've enjoyed their stablecoin pools um but now what they've done is they actually removed the native token from the pools so you don't actually earn blizzard tokens anymore and this has really really crushed the yields but the token price of the blizzard itself has Mm -hmm. has gone up because you no longer have people dumping blizzard as they farm it um i i'm not here to tell anybody to go use that website but I'm, I'm just saying this is how I've seen it. So I'm actually considered moving. I'm considering moving a lot of my, well, of what I have there off just because the yields aren't really what they were. Um, but they have a ton of people who have been in on that token mm-hmm. since, you know, it was like $120, $130 and it's now at like three. So a lot of people are kind of bag holding Blizzard. So they needed to make a use case for it. And I don't blame them for what they're doing. But um, I, I would comment, though, the way they've introduced these new tokens, Gale and Tempest, are, are interesting. Yeah, um, I don't want to get into the mathematics of, of those derivative tokens here, but there's links in the description for people who want to read up on it. It's, it's really hard. It's going to be too hard for me to explain uh, without a screen without, share. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm continually impressed by their ability to invent new, new things and they kind of have to, right? I mean, if your token is going from $100 down to one, 
you, you better be innovating. You better be trying to come up with something that's going to keep your liquidity providers happy. So it's kind of like they have to do that in order to survive. But on the flip side, what's really fascinating about this whole aggregator model is that it is a revenue producing model. I mean, if you execute properly and you, you spend the right amount on marketing, you spend the right amount on development, you build some interesting use cases, you can actually build a business of smart contracts that are, are paying you to, for the work you're doing. And so I, I do kind of tip my hat to the, the devs there for, for their ability to, to execute and build something that's certainly been good for themselves. Um, I, I, I would love to audit all their contracts and see exactly how much they've been making, but it's all very um, anonymous and, and whatnot. I, I think, you know, I, my background is equity research. I would have a field day. I would love to see like their financials uh, for some of these aggregators. I think it would be fascinating to, to see how they actually have done and, and what their businesses are, are making and spending. And just how they, yeah, like reallocate all those. Yeah, that would be definitely interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's where, so Apollo DAO, um, I wrote about this in the Substack yesterday. Um, Apollo DAO is another aggregator coming out soon that I think is going to be really interesting. They, they won a big contract or they won some funding from a DeFi day uh, cohort a couple months ago. And I participated in this event and, and, and got to listen to them speak and present. What's really cool about them is doing an aggregator they'll be one of the first yield aggregators i think on the the terra ecosystem and so as i mentioned those those different early bsc yield aggregators they did so well the ones that were really smart and knew how to execute that if you could find them in this in the emerging ecosystems of like terra or cosmos where they don't even exist yet. I mean, the business doesn't even exist yet. Um, it, it is going to be an area that I think will pay to watch and, and experiment with. So, you know, it's been, it's been about 25 minutes here. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time. If people want to ask any questions, definitely feel free to join the queue here, ask some questions. Um, this is all, so... I guess now it, we'll see if anybody asks anything, but um, we could probably just give an introduction at this point. Um, I'll, I'll kind of go through my background, what crypto chemistry is, and then Mike, you can you can chime in. But <clears throat> fans of the show, fans of the account will know that this is actually a project started in 2018. Um, I had the logos made, and we, we try to do a, a kind of equity research tilt on projects, we wanted to produce institutional grade research on different crypto chemistry, uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, that kind of didn't work out. Um, I, I lost time, I lost interest in the bear market of 2018 and just kind of threw up my hands and said, well, look, I could do all research all day long, but if this market doesn't come back, what's the point? Um, so obviously the markets came back. Uh, I, I definitely regret not sticking with it more. But then earlier this year, we kind of resurrected the brand, started posting a lot of content on YouTube, TradingView and Twitter again, and met some friends along the way. Yurika, Yurika John is one of them, and the, I see him listening as well. 
So we've, we're kind of trying to bring this back. So Q2 fell off a bit this year. I got a little burned out, um, but we're bringing it back with, with the call-in app coming here and want to re-engage the audience a bit and just encourage people to learn together and share, share knowledge. Not here to shill anything, not here to pump my own bags. Um, just really want to keep learning together and in public. So that's kind of what we're doing. Definitely. Um, I am obviously Mike. Uh, got into crypto probably back in, what was it, like 2016? Right before? 2017. Yeah, that's true. It was right after the December crash. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, been trading and, you know, trying to figure out moves for a while. I was a lot more active back in 17 and 18. Kind of fell off just holding coins through the bear market because I didn't want to sell at a loss. Um, and actually just got rid of those a couple of days ago. But yeah, just basically looking to learn more and stay more updated so that we can uh, make some passive income. And by some, I mean a shit ton. <laughs> my man. Yeah. You know, this, that's what's really what I've really enjoyed about this. You know, we've been doing group chats since 2017 and we've just kept each other. There'll be times when life gets busy for one of us. The other team members will kind of come in and, and keep on top of the research. And we're, we're just always trying to stay on top of what's going on. And so that's really what this project is about. It, it's just a way for for myself and others. You others in our team to, to stay accountable on staying on top of the research because we've been following this for so long. Obviously we don't know everything, but we know enough to, to look at this intelligently. So again, that's, that's kind of the purpose of this is the purpose is not to show bags or um, kind of the stuff you, you see out there. And um, I, I would just add to that, that this ability to, to generate passive income is certainly the goal, but this is the future of the internet. This is the future of digital ecosystems. And I mean, I, I find it really fulfilling to be connected to that and, and learn about that. So this is, this is kind of a, a culture of lifelong learning. And obviously we, we want to pick winners and, and benefit economically, but it's obvious. It, it's just all about much more than just that too. Yeah. Continual growth is the goal. No doubt. Word. We got um, we got Charles in the queue here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him on. Hey, hey Charles. can you hear me? Yeah. Hey. Hey, thanks for having me on. Um Yeah, this is this is great. I, I had a question. Um this is probably a really basic question. Uh so apologize if it is sounds really basic, but in the whole idea of, of yield as an investor, um, you know, I understand how you, you can earn yield by, um, staking your money. But what I don't quite understand is how the yield is actually generated. That is then, uh, paid out to the investors. Um, and I just, well, you know, kind of the way I'm thinking about this is like a bond um, is just payments coming from uh, someone else. And that's how the money is, is generated to then give out to the bond holder is like a mortgage payment is comes in 
and then given out to the person holding the mortgage backed uh, security. But I just don't quite understand how the yield is generated to then pay out uh, to the investors. Yeah, great question. So the way I understand this, this is what also, by the way, kept me from outside of DeFi for so long because I was like, you know, these 100%, 200% APRs, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, How can this be? And what I learned is if we take PancakeSwap, for example, um, the the cake token. So, you know, they're printing these aggregators and these market makers these platforms are printing the new token basically out of nothing. And the, the APRs, the APYs that you see, this incentivization, it's being paid through the smart contracts that are emitting these new tokens. So there's got to be quite a belief in, in that new token being created. If you're going to, deposit your coins and trust the custody the, the custody i'm sorry of of your assets to be paid by some new token that's just being emitted out of nowhere you're going to have to really believe that there's going to be a use case for that token and that there's going to be appreciation or at least stability in that token right so so that's why i think pancake swap is a great example of one that's worked blizzard on the other hand, so their token came out and there was no use case. When Blizzard launched for their yield aggregator, there was no use case, but the thing still went crazy. I mean, the thing was printing, it was, it was emitting new tokens insanely fast for very low deposit amounts. And the price of that token was appreciating like crazy. It went from like eight bucks to a hundred something in a matter of a couple weeks with no use case other than it's per producing yields like it, it it was a little bit crazy and what they did was they discovered use cases later that they were just kind of like well we're going to do this and then figure it out later which um you know it, it would not be a great if you bought at the top obviously it is a, is a hard thing to to invest in where there's there's no real use case at the time you would really have to just trust the team but it, going at the pancake swap um you know what they did i think it was just the usage, the, the metrics around all of the, you know, people exchanging tokens for other tokens and the belief that cake holders had was that they, there will be appreciation in the cake token that they're being paid with. If more people are going to be trading on cake on pancake swap, because then they, they do, I think pancake swap, I can't remember the tokenomics exactly, but, um, they do a lot of burning. They are reducing emissions of the new token and it's all kind of like a supply dynamic, but if you can somehow bake in fee sharing to the token holder, um, I think that's, that's where the stakeage of the LP token comes into play. So a yield aggregator, but that that's very unique for pancake swap because <clears throat> they are not only paying you for the the aggregation of the yield in a way, but they are also the automated market maker themselves. So they have that source of revenue that they can then share with the, with the holders. Um, I I kind of feel like I'm rambling a bit, but to too long didn't read answer. I think Charles is like there. A lot of these tokens are just printing it and, and sharing it. 
So you have to be very skeptical and, and really do your diligence if you're going to be locking your assets up. Does that help at all? Or did I just totally botch that? No, it helps a lot. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, that, that really actually makes a lot more sense where the generation of, of the yield that's coming out uh, comes from. Um, but then I guess I have a follow-up question. Um, is where, where the word aggregator comes from when you say yield aggregator? Um, you know, could you, can you just kind of like define, like I understand the yield, but what, where does the term aggregator come from? So my, the way I understand this, and I mean, I could be wrong here, but what I've come to learn is that a yield aggregator would be like Blizzard. Okay. So that's why, that's why I include them or Apollo Dow once they launch would be an, a yield aggregator. So what that means is I provide liquidity on PancakeSwap and I receive that LP token that represents the ownership of that. I now go to a yield aggregator and deposit that on blizzard right and so i'm basically going to say all right i'm going to deposit this this lp on blizzard now and and blizzard's going to take all of the generated value that's coming from pancake swap under my ownership and they're going to pay me something okay so they're taking the lp they're taking let's say all of us on this call we have four people right now all four of us go create lp on pancake swap and then we go and then we take our, our ownership token and give it to a yield aggregator. So they're aggregating all these different yields from all these different users, even though the liquidity income <laughs> is coming from an, a market maker that they are not involved with, right? Because you go to Blizzard, you can't trade anything. They're not facilitating the trading of assets. They're just paying you to store your, your, yield, your, your yield generating assets there. So, so it's, uh, yeah. it's a little hard I to explain in a simple fashion because it is kind of complicated but i would say that uh, i know so so i, I know um you already have a really good understanding of because I, I know you uh, you have a good understanding of of what's going on here but it is hard to explain um because there it is complicated right and i think the best way to learn is to just go and do it like take a couple hundred dollars or 50 bucks i'm on Binance Smart Chain, you can get away with that. On Ethereum, you can't because the gas fees are so high. But, but yeah, right. does that? So what's what's really interesting, Charles, is I think if you can find, you know, you kind of have to trust the team. It, it's almost like picking a hedge fund or a, a mutual fund to invest in, in the normal world, right? You have to kind of trust that whoever you're giving your your capital to is gonna be smart about how they. You know, you have to assume they're going to be smarter than you and they're going to go make more money than you could by investing in the, in the different things. So back on to, not to cut in, but back onto the aggregator thing, I'm pretty sure all, I mean, this is probably too simple, but it's basically just one place for all of the different yields to compete against each other to get your, you know, liquidity. Totally. Yeah, it's a great, great point because on like Blizzard, for example, there's you can go create LP on ApeSwap. You can go create LP on PancakeSwap. You can go create LP on BakerySwap. You know, th those three different websites are the actual 
the AMMs, right? The market makers. Those three websites are where you can trade the different assets. And it, it becomes very difficult to keep up with all the different market makers because it's like, why, why should these exist? Why, why shouldn't there just be one or two? But that's the decentralized mm-hmm. nature of, of everything here. And so the yield aggregator, what, what you can now do is, is basically aggregate yield across the entire ecosystem. Um, it does become, <laughs> it, and it's why you have to be careful of which ones you back, but there is an element of, uh, you know, Ponzi, Ponzinomics, possibly, right? Because if everybody's just vamping each other's yield, um, there's, there is a bit of a house of cards element here where, like, you do have to wonder, well, where's the actual value coming from? Um, and that's, that's debatable. That's highly debatable because I think a, a lot of these assets out there are, are vaporware and probably aren't going to do much. But in the meantime, while, while they're paying yields, I mean, there's, there's certainly opportunity, but um, I, I think that that's just, you know, you, you have to just do your diligence and trust whoever you're depositing your assets in. And that's, that's only something the individual can decide, but you make a good point, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I'm trying to like look across different things. So, like for example, I'm on Secret and just looking at their Secret Ether pairing, and then trying to find like a Cake Ether pairing. And I think it's more just like who do you trust? Who do you back more in regards to you know the project itself? But then you know if you see a yield that's or APR that's 300, percent and then the other one is you know 29 percent on the other site, like. You just got to take everything into account where the higher percentages are definitely more risk, but you know, where, where does it equal out for you? You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces. Once you, you know, once you move beyond just depositing liquidity into an LP pool into actually like participating with an aggregator, I mean, now you have so many moving pieces. Yeah. That's why for this example, I, I kept it, I try to keep it super simple, which is stable coins, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole rabbit hole. It's a fun one. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Um, and thank you guys both. This is a really nice platform to be able to ask questions on. So thanks a lot. Yeah, Charles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely, definitely hope to have you back. Um, I think, you know, we, I don't think we have any more people in the queue. Um, so I think we'll probably just wrap up. We'll try to share this, uh, probably do a little bit of editing on the, the intro and, and the end, but definitely want everyone to know you can follow us um, on Twitter, YouTube, whatever. Our website is cryptochemistry.io and you can find the links there or in the call in profile. So thanks for making time today. Thank you, Mike. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you setting it up, man.